otherwise on SAFM. Thanks, Cecilia. Good day to you, Mzansi, and a very warm welcome from me, Shadow Twala. You're tuned in to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The show's producer is Hazel Makuzeni, and driving the show today is Garnet Nguinika. Our contact details are 0892-102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm, or at Shadow Twala. Now, Partners for Possibility is an innovative solution to South Africa's education crisis. Melinda Abrams of Symphonia explains the mechanics to us. Then we hear about leadership lessons from the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro as told by Daphna Horowitz in her book, Courage to Lead. But first, our lunch bite. And I thought in honor of Nobel Peace Prize winner Malala Yousafzai, who's also published a book, I Am Malala, The Girl Who Stood Up for Education and Was Shot by the Taliban. Here are some of her quotes. One child, one teacher, one book, and one pen can change the world. This she said just nine months after being shot at the United Nations Youth Assembly. Another, when she was giving a speech at Harvard in September last year, says, when the whole world is silent, even one voice becomes powerful. Um, here's one that says, so here I stand, one girl among many. I speak not for myself, but so those without a voice can be heard. Those who have fought for their rights, their right to live in peace, their right to be treated with dignity, their right to equal opportunity, and their right to be educated. Otherwise, on SAFM. Melinda Abrams of Symphonia for South Africa joins me now on the phone uh, to talk to us about the the crisis that we're in, but also to look for solutions. Melinda, I hope uh, Malala's words just gave you a bit more strength in your quest to solve the issues of education in our country. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shadow. Thanks for having us on your show today, and uh, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. So, um, as as you were reading that, I wrote down there one principle. One principle strengthens, uh, you know, with the ability to lead his or her school really well, has the ability to absolutely change what we see in that school community. So, yeah, it, it gives us great um, strength, great encouragement in what we are doing. Melinda, talk to us a bit about the crisis we're in and how deep it is and and what what challenges it poses. Hmm. So, Shadow, the the reality is that when we when we start looking at statistics um, at the end of the year, you know, we we start looking at metric results and mm-hmm. be happy when there's an increase in the metric results. Um, we then have to ask ourselves: um, so the matriculants who pass how many that started in grade one? How many of them actually reached Nijik? Are we looking after them? Mm-hmm. Are we actually getting them to the finish line? Mm-hmm. Um, probably only about half of the learners who start out in grade one are actually reaching um, the final year of their schooling. Um, our grade two learners cannot read their grade level. Our, our learners are still leaving school and they can't read. Um, we, we're looking at all this investment that is actually going into education. Um, according to statistics, about 
just last year, just under 3 billion rand of CSI funding went into education and into education initiatives. And still, according to the last World, World Economic Global Competitiveness Report, we are still number 140 out of 144 for the quality of our education. Mm. So um, so our, our point of departure is, well, if we are doing all of these things already in education, um, what, what, what point aren't we touching at? Mm. And for the Partners Responsibility Program, we um, we look specifically at leadership in education, and we say, well, in 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 organisations where they do really well, they have strong leadership, and there's a growing realisation um, and a growing literature that actually internationally that that um, creates the correlation between strong leadership in school and improved educational outcomes, and and that is just what we are then trying to do in the education space. And I commend that, looking for solutions. But I, I just want to understand where, where, where is the actual problem? Why don't kids get to grade 12? And when, when they do drop out, what happens to them? Hmm. I think that that's a very complex thing that you've just asked. Mm-hmm. And um, because when we say, why don't our kids get to grade 12, I think it's not just got to do with um, our education space. It's also got to do with our parenting space and our communities, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's got to do with with how much in how involved our parents are in the education uh, process of our children. And so, when our children drop out, then I I live in a community, the community of Bontiro, and when I look out on my street. I often see children around here who should be at school at mm. 10, 11, 12 o'clock um, in the morning. Um, and and so my question is, well, where's your mother? Why is your mother not walked you to school today? Mm. You know, but, mm. but it's also got to do with when we look in the, in the school environment, how equipped are our principals to actually lead change at our school? Um, do they have the skill set that they need to be able to bring the teachers on board to create an aligned vision for school and community, um, to actually get the teachers, the the school governing body, the school management team aligned with one vision so that we actually are working toward the same goal. Currently in our school scenarios, we are finding very toxic environments. And actually we're asking principals to do above and beyond what um, they have been trained to do. Unfortunately, our system has not created um, the, the the case where our principals are actually equipped for the very very complex tasks. Hmm. So one principal once said to me, once said to us, um, you know, when I when I go to school, I'm not just the administrator at my school. I'm also um, the parent, and I am the dwemini, hmm. um, hmm. and I am the skaterrechter, the jeffery, and sometimes I'm a marriage counselor. So our, our principals are being asked to do. Very, very complex things that unfortunately our system is not preparing them for. Hmm. And so when we say principles, reach out to the parents, bring them back. How, what, what kind of skills are we actually giving the, pa- the principal to be able to reach out and communicate effectively with the community and with the, with the community of parents? 
Now, part of the solutions that you 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 um you offer as partners for possibilities, and we'll talk about that in a bit of how you bring these principles and how you're empowering the principles to deal with the schools. Do we have any schools that are successful at all that are working that are world class, and and or, or are all our schools in South Africa just just doomed? <laughs> So, Shadow, um, there are some bright pockets. Um, not all of it is doom and gloom. Um, there are about 25,000 schools in the country. About 80% of those are recognized to be underperforming and under-resourced schools. Mm-hmm. About 5,000 of them are world-class schools. Um, the problem is that with these world-class schools also come world-class prices. Mm. And and many most of our parents cannot afford to send their children to these schools. Mm. So, you know, what are the options for all the other parents and all the other learners, all these other potential Mandelas of the future? What are their options? Okay, so so now I I, I suppose then your your solutions will include lessons from the twenty percent that are working. Um. I think to some extent, yes, um, we, we, bring, we bring some of that learning into, um, into our program by partnering um, a school, for example, like the Grove Primary in Claremont, which um, joined one of the very first circles as a resource partner to this circle, mm-hmm. um, and, and we learn from that principle. But generally how we work through the Partners for Possibility program is by looking at a sector in our country that we perceive to perform really well, mm-hmm. and that is our corporate sector. Okay, and so it makes so, sense because, you know, yeah. we, we, with, if we're not producing the, the, the leaders, the future leaders, our economy suffers, and of course big business will suffer. Absolutely. Mm. According to the 2013 World Economic Global Competitiveness Report, um, while they rate South Africa really low for the quality of our education system and we come dead last for the quality of math and science, um, that same report rated um, South Africa one for the strength of our auditing and reporting standards and two for the availability of financial standards, Mm. financial services, which tells us that we have a level of excellence in our country. It just does not sit in our education sector. And so what we try to do through the Partners for Possibility program is actually to build a bridge between these two sectors and to cross-pollinate and to create businesses that are a lot more socially conscious in meaningful ways, not simply by putting money into um, throwing money through uh, CSI initiatives, but actually to become involved in the schools themselves. And, and then also, school sector to actually be learning from what is going well in the business sector. How do you do it? How is it that you strategize for change? And what can we learn from your sector that we can implement better into our um, education sector? Melinda, so what what interventions are you are you making then, as far as partners for possibility? You 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 creating leaders out of principles. How do you do this? Okay, so so principals are leaders. They are leaders in their schools, but we not equip them with the necessary skills to actually take on that role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've given them the label without the training. When we look at leaders in our core sector. Um, before I can become a leader um, in a world-class um, business of anything, I am groomed for that position. I am 
um, sort of supported. I'm, I'm challenged, and when I meet that challenge, I am applauded for what I've done, and I move on to my next challenge. But the whole way, I am supported for my for my role, equipped for my role. And then what we do in uh, through the Partners for Possibility program is we actually um, partner those leaders in, corporate, in the corporate sector who have been through the program, really um, well-established business leaders, um, leaders who lead change and strategy in their own organizations. We partner them with principals for a year-long program. And through this process, we not we don't just um, allow learning to happen, but we also validate the really important role that our principals actually play, mm-hmm. both in their schools and in the community. We think that part of what keeps going wrong in our education sector is that we don't value our principals enough. Mm-hmm. So part of what we do through the Partners for Possibility program is actually to love principals, to love them, to say, you are responsible to a large extent for the future of our country and we're going to love you so that you are able to love our children and so we give them a business leader um, who is there to share his or her experience um, to share his or her skills and to support that principal on the journey for one year mm. during that one year they do various activities um, to do with leadership. They read amazing books. Um, they do three um, workshops, trying to think, flawless consulting, and then finally the art of community building. During that, we touch on the various stakeholders, key stakeholders in our school community. So we work with the principal throughout because he or she is absolutely the change leader at each and every school. And we equip him or her with the skills that they then need to go and engage the other key stakeholders in the school, the school management team and school governing body, the um, wider community of teachers, and then finally, the community and parent body. Mm. Then we've touched on all four of those, and we work with all four of those um, key areas, we start to see amazing things happen in our school. Currently, we are, um, we've launched 200 of these partnerships um, throughout the country. Um, we are in the process of launching another 10 schools in the Western Cape by the end of October. And then I think it's about another 9 or 10 partnerships also in Hauteng before the end of the school year. We also are currently recruiting in, uh, for partners in the Paul and, um, and Stellenbosch areas. Because we realize that even though these schools seem to be on the periphery, they need help as much as the schools that sit within our urban areas. Mm. I I was going to ask mm. how you identify the schools. Yeah. um, And and if you're not preaching to the converted as such, (laughs) you're not going to schools that are understanding their problems and are trying to solve them. And if it trickles down, in fact, I'm glad you spoke about parents and teachers because you can have great leaders, but if you don't have followers uh, who are as great, then it it doesn't solve the problem, does it? Well, um, our experience is that when you have a great leader, that great leader has the ability to influence across our traditional boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so so we we are now seeing principles who are doing very effective jobs of reaching out to um, the, the wider body of teachers. 
um, in most of our schools uh, where we get involved, we start out with quite a toxic environment where teachers aren't speaking to each other. That is not uncommon. Mm. The, the, the teachers aren't speaking to each other. They're not speaking to the leadership. Um, very poor communication in schools. That has a direct impact on what happens in the classroom. And so, you know, when we start speaking about the quality of teaching, how am I a good teacher when I'm an unhappy person in my job? Mm. So, so these principles, we then help them to identify the needs um, of this school. And if that might be that they then need to start with, um, with team building in their school, if that is the first port of call for their school, then that is where we start. And we, through the help of the business leader who has a vast network in his or her own community, so, so think about a leader in a prominent business, um, one of the banks. Let's, let's not name anybody, but let's just think about our banks and the amazing network of people that they have. They've got HR people, they've got marketing people. Mm. Um, and so this business leader goes into the school um, not having necessarily all of the skills that, that is needed in that partnership, but knowing that he or she can draw on a whole network of people in this strong organization. Mm. So call on my HR specialist and say, I am busy working in this community school. This is what our need is. Um, and I would love you to be able to come and work with us. Do some, some, some amazing, um, some team building mm, mm. exercises mm. that will help us to see how much we need each other in the school. So this is what we started seeing in our various schools. So um, getting back to your, your, your first question of how we identify the schools, we only work in, in community schools that are under-resourced and underperforming schools. Mm -hmm. And so we basically have a choice of 20,000. <laughs> we so, have a choice of 20,000. And all we need is a principal to put up his or her hand and say, I want to see change in my school. I don't know how to do it. Please, will you help? We need a willing spirit. And, and that is where we start seeing the most change. This process is not an easy process. It takes people out of their comfort zone. Mm. And when you prepare to learn out of your comfort zone, we start seeing the most changes there. It's not just uncomfortable for the principal, I will have you know. It's very uncomfortable for this business leader also because they come into a school environment that they don't know. And they've got to, they've got to understand that in that school environment, they're not the boss. Now, Melinda, how, to learn. How, how, how much um, scope, do you get a lot of support from the Department of Education? Well, we continue to work on, um, on that relationship mm. um, from the Department to the National Department of Education. They know about us, they appreciate what we do, and they see value um, in what we are adding to the, um, to the school environment, various sort of local departments of education have expressed um, their gratitude, but it's not always an easy road, and so we continue mm. to work at that relationship because mm. work with government often takes time. But also government encourages people like yourselves to do no, things absolutely. for them, you know, to, if, you, if you have ways of, of uh, integrating your services to assist, then I, I, I think you, you're doing the right thing. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay on the line for a bit because we need to take details because I also want to know who, what sustains you and how you get around to do the work that you do. Um, we'll take a little break now for news headlines, but we're back talking to you, Melinda, in a bit, okay? So don't go away.
Thanks. Uh, we're talking uh, to Partners for Possibility. Otherwise, on SAFM. Talking with Melinda Abrams, who's stakeholder engagement consultant at Symphonia for South Africa, but Partners for Possibility, an innovation solution, innovation solution to South Africa's education crisis. Um, Melinda, have you have you got numbers for us? Have you looked back at all the schools you've touched and and measured your success? So, Shadow, this is a thing that is very complex to measure the impact. We can tell you numbers where we've been, but in terms of being able to say, well, that upcoming that school is a direct influence of um, of our program. That's a little bit hard to delineate. Mm, mm. But across our 200 schools where we have now been involved, we are definitely seeing um, a trend across the schools of more inclusive leadership. Mm. That is now um, uh, we are seeing translating into better educational outcomes in our schools. So um, we are in the process also of doing an external assessment and once we have that then we would be very happy to share um, with, with the South African community how well um, the program is going. Now, how do you recruit your, your company leaders? Just like we go to schools one school at a time, we often go to businesses one school at a time. Mm. Um, somebody, um, some business leader who is listening to this conversation today who has a heart for education and for social issues in the country and who understands that only by changing education do we start really influencing the future, mm-hmm. is going to call us up, is going to go onto our website, and is going to get in touch with us. Um, and so in, in many of the companies where we have been involved, we find one um, champion mm-hmm. who really helps us to, to push forward and, and get into um, get to talk to other business leaders. So we've had, that, we've had probably about 91 leaders from about 91 companies. Mm, that's impressive. Um, who, pardon? I said that's impressive. That, that is impressive. We, we can only do this when we find business leaders who have a heart for education. And so we, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to be mentioning any names of businesses today, mm. but we've had quite a few, um, quite a few business leaders from a couple of banks. We've had some foundations who've come on and sponsored the partnerships. Um, we've sponsored some uh, principals to get involved. Um, and so we are really grateful for each and every uh, business leader who has participated and who has helped to strengthen education by doing this. The business leaders, though, or th- those companies, do they, do they contribute financially? Or if, if not, how, how do you sustain yourselves? So they do. The businesses contribute. Um, our program is very BEE friendly. Mm. And so, um, so businesses will pay for the participation of their business leader. Um, doing that, they will get uh, points for um, the participation or the, the hours that they give, but mm. also, um, depending on who it is, um, it could go toward leadership development um, or the skills development um, in the company. And then also, when they sponsor the participation of the principal, then um, this comes toward their social economic development points um, wow. through the CSI. Okay. So how do they find you then? You mentioned you, they go on your website, they find you, they call you. Let's do that. Let's give them that website for them to find you and call you. Okay, so our website address is www.p p 
PFP for the number four SA.org. PFP for SA.org. And then our telephone number is 021 913 3507 if anybody wants to speak directly, then they are very welcome to email me. That is my name, Melinda, M-E-R-L-I-N-D-A, at symphonia.net. Um, and then we can have a conversation. Um, uh, if they're in the Western Cape, I will come out very gladly and actually meet with them, and we can go through the program. So we, we are happy when people approach us so that we can actually go and have conversations with people. So if anybody is looking for a really innovative way to practice CSI, to not just give money toward a problem, but to get involved in a meaningful way, follow your money, make sure that your money actually starts having meaning in the community, then I would say please do give us a call. And of course you are on Twitter, right? That's right. Um, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. I'm not 100% sure what our Twitter handle is. Oh, oh okay, um, no. If they go onto our, um, onto our, um, I think I know. they will find that information there. I, I think I know, but yeah, because I, I had a tweet from you guys this morning, so I, I okay, wonderful. I think I know. We'll give it. We'll give it up later. But thank you so much for joining us, and and well done. It it, it sounds like a a good uh, solution to our education. Uh, at least is contributing positively to giving principals the leadership. And it, it, I, I hope that after our conversation, you get a lot more principals participating because a lot more companies have come on board. Thank you. That, that, is, that is what we hope for. We want everybody to play their part in whatever way. Be an active citizen. Be the, cha- be the change you want to see in the country. Fantastic. Melinda, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Shadow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Melinda Abraham, Stakeholder Engagement Consultant at Symphonia for South Africa. And the program is called Partners for Possibility, which is an innovation solution to South Africa's education crisis. While we talk about leadership, well, Daphna Horowitz um, is going to join me on the phone now. Uh, she tells us about leadership lessons from the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro in her book, Courage to Lead. We talk to her after this. Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, Daphna Horowitz is actuary, professional speaker and leadership coach, works with leaders to identify their personal mission and align that to their work performance in order to drive leadership excellence within their organizations. She is the founder of PEAC Solutions, an innovative company that provides a variety of coaching solutions for maximum leadership impact. Um, And she joins me now on the phone, Daphna. Hello and welcome. 
Hello, Shadow. Lovely to be on your show. Listen, I thought I'd, I stole this from your blog. <laughs> In life, as when climbing mountains, it's about understanding your why. It's about doing your preparation. It's about having the right tools. It's about taking the right people with you. It's about having a cause greater than yourself. It's about having faith. And most importantly, it's about believing in yourself. That's mm -hmm. a tall order. Mm. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And it takes time to work through those. That's for sure. I think it's a lifelong process, actually, if you look at that. Well, this is what we need on the journey of life. Well, I, and I thought, if, you, if, if this is what you discovered, then I need to go to that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Was this before or after the mountain, I wanted to know, when you discovered all of this. But Daphne, thank you so much for joining us. And, and I, I must admit, I haven't read the book. But okay. I thought I am going to talk to you anyway because we kept on moving this interview, you know. Mm. And I thought we can't do that without, so we, we can learn from you and your experience. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Now, how does climbing a mountain teach you about leadership? You know, it is, it's really a good question because when I started, when I set out to climb Kilimanjaro, I definitely wasn't looking for any leadership lessons. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that as I was going through the experience, I was just struck by the ability to use that mountain climb, the experience, the challenges, the beauty, the joy um, as metaphors for, for leadership and life. Mm. And my philosophy and my approach is really that everybody is a leader. And I know we often tend to think of leadership in the business context only, mm. but the truth is that everybody is a leader. In, in There will be some area in your life in which you take leadership. And if you can use a beautiful story and a beautiful setting such as Kilimanjaro mm. as a metaphor, for it, I think we can really drive that point home for people. Because we all have a mountain to climb. Yes, we certainly do. We certainly now, do. Now, we, we, we hear a lot, I mean, everyone's talking about leadership in some form or another, mm. and it's become so abstract. Yes, In yes. the sense that, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's intangible. Yes. And because of that, it becomes difficult to actually define it and, 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 and you know, give it, hand it over, because you, you almost want to hand it over to somebody and say, these are the things you can do. Mm, exactly, exactly, Shadow. And, you know, that's exactly why I wrote the book, and that is the approach of the book. And even in my introduction, I do say how leadership is a very complex topic. Mm. There are so many frameworks and models and theories that we can learn about, and I think they're all really valuable. But in my work in executive and leadership coaching, I often come ac across clients who really just want the how-to. Mm. So great, we get that it's a complicated topic. We get that it's huge and abstract and all of that. But we are leaders. What do we need to do? What are the practical things we can do to really enhance ourselves as leaders? Hmm. Now, I, I worry about us all being leaders, and I, I suppose leadership also applies to many parts of your life. Absolutely. So you can be a leader at work, you can be a leader at home, you can be... But when do you become the, the, the Indian and not the chief? Because there's too many chiefs that know. So no here's Indian. what I really want to kind of break that mold of thinking that leader is a chief. I know that ah. traditionally we think of leaders as people who, you know, lead people who run something, who are in charge of something mm. and who have leaders follow, or who have people following them. Mm. But the truth is, if you are leading yourself, if you're leading your life in a way that brings you joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, then you are a leader. 
You know, and that's where leadership starts. Leadership starts with you. It's not about who you are doing leadership to. It's actually, are you leading yourself? Are you the type of person that you can say, geez, I'm proud of what I've done so far. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the level of joy and meaning and connectedness that I'm bringing to my life. Hmm. And when we look at leading people, it's also about actually what kind of relationships do you have with people? How are you managing yourself as you're dealing with people around you? We all work. I mean, people are unavoidable, right? We all work with people, live with people. We're with people all the time. And that is part of the biggest challenge that we have in life is how do we manage challenging situations with people and how do we lead ourselves through that? And I'm purposely using the word lead because I think if everybody could start seeing themselves as leaders, then our perceptions of ourselves and our worlds and our life will completely change. We'll start taking ownership of who we are and how we do things. Leadership is responsibility then? Yeah, responsibility, absolutely. Responsibility, accountability and ownership. Take, okay. take charge, own it, say this is me, this is my life, what am I doing? Daphne, I, I'm going to take you back to that quote we used from your blog. Mm. An understanding my why. Yeah. How, how do I deal with that? Because to be my own leader and to take responsibility, I need to understand my why. Absolutely. Is there is there a process that you can help me with for me to understand my why? Yeah, Because we must have a different reason for doing it than everybody else. Mm. Everybody we, has their own reason, their own why. Mm -hmm. And my why is not going to work for someone else, okay? Yes, yes. So we really need to be able to uncover that why for ourselves. Why do we get up in the morning and do what we do? Mm. Why do we choose to live the life that we live and I know that as I say this a lot of people will be thinking well I have no choice I don't I didn't choose this or I didn't choose that but actually the fact that you're in the situation and you are responding and interacting with it in a certain way is all part of your choice mm. and I actually have a, a chapter on that as well in my mm. book which is about choice I have a chapter about the why understanding your why and maybe if I can take a little bit of a break to uh, or not a break, but just a, a bit of a um, Detour. segue yeah, <laughs> into talking about the structure of the book. Yes, please. Because the structure of the book really addresses the different areas of our life that if we want to look at ourselves as leaders, what is the holistic view of that? How do we look at leadership from a holistic approach rather than, you know, the, the classic approach of we are leaders in business and we have a group of people that we need to manage, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So the book is structured in four parts. And each part addresses a separate area of leadership that is really important to look at, consider, and explore, unpack for yourself to understand where, where am I coming from in my view of leadership. Mm -hmm. So the first one is called doing. And really the doing is about what do we do, you know, those tangible things that we go about our lives and on a day-to-day -day level we need to do stuff, you know, we need to get things done. <laughs> we need to look at that and say, are we doing the right things? What are we focusing on? What are the results that we want? That's kind of, uh, I think, the more obvious and the, the, the one element that, you know, there's a lot of focus on in, everybody, in everybody's lives. We all know that there are things that we do and we need to look at that. And then, Daphne, yeah. oh, gosh, we're going to run out of time, but I really want to continue talking mm. to you. Um, the doing, very quickly, doing, yes. it, does it help if you get into a habit of doing the same thing? So only if it serves the whole picture. So even though we can't look at doing in isolation, because you need to ask yourself, link that to the why. Does it give me the reason for being? And that's the next part of the book is who am I? It's the being section. 
which is who am I? Why do I do the things I do? And what drives me that makes me unique? You know, and will be different to anybody else. Mm. You need to explore some of that in terms of what are the qualities that make me who I am and therefore are going to make me quite an effective leader. Give me the other two. The other three. The other two very quickly. So mm. the third one is relating, which is how I engage with other people, how I build relationships, and, and how I live in this world and in relationship to everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And then finally is the one of meaning, which comes back to your question of understanding your why. Yeah. Yeah. What is the why? All of that, the doing, the being, and the relating have to sit in that big circle of meaning. We need to understand why we do what we do in order to do it, be it, and relate to it. Listen, uh, I want to say to you, uh, Daphna, do you mind if we talk to you again next week? No, it's pleasure. I'd love love it. Unpack these a bit more because, I mean, with the Oscar Pistorius case, we don't have time and all of those things. I can't compete with Oscar. I know. (laughs) Not at all. So so I'm going to get my producer to call you again and then we'll we'll, we'll find a day again to just unpack and hopefully it gives me enough time to also catch up with the book. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Shadow. And Shadow, can I just mention that I'm running a workshop in Cape Town next week if anybody's interested on the relating part of the book which is how to deal with difficult people what's your website it's um peak solutions at www.peac it's like peace without the e mm-hmm. peak solutions.co.za mm-hmm. and all info is there huh? yeah all the info is there or otherwise just email me through the website and i'll send it to you fantastic lovely sp- talking to you Thank we'll talk you, again Daphna. okay take care bye-bye Bye.